Welcome to Living Stones Church. We pray that this message impacts and touches your heart in such a great way. Enjoy the message. If all you saw was a transgender person getting their feet washed by a pastor, that's all you saw. If all you saw was a black person getting their feet washed by a police officer, if that's all you saw, then you missed the whole point. And that was, for me, like, I, I can't tell you, something just lit up inside of me. Now, at first, I was just excited, like, hey, come on, let's go wash feet. This is, this is what Jesus would do. This is who we are. This is who we're supposed to be. And then I saw how much hate came from Christians. And it started to get in my heart and get in my spirit. I'm like, this is not the spirit of God. This is the spirit of this world. The spirit of this world is division. What, look around. I mean, I, oh, I, I don't know if I get excited or, or if I get depressed thinking about the fact that it's, a, it's an election year. And listen, I'm not political. Oh, here we go. Pastor's going to get political. I'm not going to get political. But what I am going to say is what happens during these times is, is the most division that we've ever seen. Every single time, four, every four years, there's going to be the most division we'll ever see. And why, like, I don't know if we just get used to it, if this is just who it, what it is. It's like, oh, it's getting to election time. You've got to choose a side. What side are you on? What side are you on? Where are you? Oh, man, it just, I don't know about you, but it just makes my heart just get angry. Is anybody with me? Does anybody get angry? And where this, when I text Matt and I said, man, thank you, that was an awesome commercial. He says, thank you for being, always being so supportive in the midst of everything. Now, I didn't understand why he said that at the moment. But then after a couple of days, I figured out real quick, because not everybody's supportive, right? Not everybody's supportive. <sighs> so he gets us. Somebody say he gets us. He gets us. When, when I heard my friends say, like, these are, these are woke churches and woke pastors and woke this and woke that, I thought to myself, I'm like, you have no clue. I know these people personally, and they do not, they do not sign up for that. They're not signing up for, to just, just be the liberal. All the, no. You, you know how much money that commercial cost? They had, they've had so many people donate to make those things happen. And, and then, then what was so funny, and I'm going to get real controversial with everybody, all right? Because I know there's some people that really hate The Chosen, too, the TV show, The Chosen. It's a TV show! Hello. There's creative liberties. There's different things in there. So you agree, you don't agree. It's not feel, 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 theology course, right? It's not. But that show is flipping amazing. I just watched the, the next uh, three episodes yesterday, crying and just loving it. It was so good. And I can't give any spoilers away. Dallas told me I can't do that. But you know what? This, when I was writing this message, I went and Googled, Jesus washes feet. You know what first thing came up? That commercial. First thing. And you know what else? Ignorant people make assumptions without looking into things. If you go and click on that link and you read the article, I made it easy for you. I put it in our app. I put the link for the article in our app so you can go read it yourself. So you can understand what the purpose of that commercial was. The purpose of that commercial was not to say that a police officer is bad and that's why he washes the, the black person's feet. It's not to say that the pastor is bad and that's why he washes the, the, the transgender person's feet. He was saying that this is what Jesus did. This is how he did it. Now we're going to get into scripture. Somebody say we're going to get into scripture. Oh, because you know what? I can have my opinion. You can have your opinion. And you know what? We can, we can agree to disagree and that's fine. But until, once we look at scripture, you, can't, you don't have an opinion anymore. I don't have an opinion anymore. Are you with me? So we're going to get into the scripture right here in John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Verse 2, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son, son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything that he had come, had come from God and would return to God. Verse 4, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Verse 6, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Verse 7, Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Come on, somebody say, someday I will. <laughs> we might not understand a, a commercial, but someday we will. 
Verse 8. Today's that day, just so you know. Verse 8. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet, Jesus replied. Unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. I, I love Simon Peter. He's, he's my favorite. Verse 9. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands, my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. And then Jesus is like just shaking his head. Oh my gosh, you brown noser. Verse 10, Jesus replied, a person who has already bathed all over does not need to wash except the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said not all of you are clean. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that is what I am. Verse 14, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. What we are witnessing is a humble exchange. A humble exchange between Jesus and his disciples. And what you're looking at, when you're looking at these images, these, these artistic images that were created, you can, if you want to just kind of put that on, uh, play that video without the sound behind me. And so you can see those images. What you're seeing is humility. Now, what you'll also notice is that every single person does not have their shoes on. Not just the one who's washing their feet, but the one who doesn't is also doing the washing. Because what we don't understand and where we start to draw our own lines and our own conclusions is that we are bad. That's why we have to go and serve other people. Wrong. We wash each other's feet. You understand? Like when we look at this, you have to understand that when we're loving one another, there's, there's no boundaries in love. No boundaries in love. None. Zero. If you read in Scripture, you read in John, and I'm, I'm taking this out. I didn't put this in the notes, but in John it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He said all. I came that all and that none should perish. I came that all would come to everlasting life and that none should perish. Those are pretty definitive numbers, aren't they? Yeah. All and none. Now let me, let me talk about another one because a lot of times when we look at stuff like this, we start to think, well, now I'm condoning their sin. No. No, we're not condoning their sin. And we're also, we're also not condemning them for their sin. We're not condoning or condemning. Man, I'm going to miss all my notes today. Let's, let's, let's go to note number one for my note ticket. I'm sorry. I get, I'm getting a little bit passionate. You've got to forgive me. Like I was, I, was, I was riding back from my hockey game on Thursday night, and I was preaching to my windshield. I was, it was just coming out like a crazy person. I'm like, 11 o'clock at night, just going, I'm like, here it is. This is out. Ah. So I'm going to try to condense this as much as I can. Here's point number one for my note takers. I will humble myself and wash feet. I will humble myself and wash feet. A few years ago, a few years ago, we, we took on another church. Some pastors felt like their season was done. 1027 church merged with our church about four, three, four years ago, something like that now. Is it four, almost four? Almost four years ago. And when, when we brought this new team, we had, we had a whole new team of leaders. We had a whole new congregation of people, and we were mixing two, two different types of people together. We were mixing two types of convers- uh, together leaders together in 2020, yeah, so almost four years ago, in 2020. And the first thing I did when we had our first leaders meeting, is we got, we had about, I don't know, what was it, like, was it 12 or, I think it was a little bit more during that time, because it was still new, but we had, we had 12, 15 leaders that all came into a house, and the first thing that I did with them, you know, hold that, and this, I need to borrow my chair. Where's John at? John, come here. I'm picking you because you have sandals on. Now you get it, right? Yeah. Go ahead and sit down, John. I sat with my pastoral leaders. Go ahead and take your shoes off, my friend. I sat with my pastoral leaders, and I said, let me explain to you what being a pastor is and what being a pastor isn't. 
Being a pastor isn't just getting to stand in the limelight, everybody clapping for you and saying, wow, what an amazing leader you are. Being a pastor is washing people's feet. The hard things that they've gone through, you sit with them through the difficult stuff. And you say, hey man, I'm here for you. I've got your back. You don't need to worry about this. All the stuff you've walked through, all the junk you've walked through, I'm not here to point it out to you. I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to make sure that you, don't feel, you feel welcome and that you feel loved. Thank you for being here and being one of my leaders, John. And I'm saying that to you personally. I'm, I'm reenacting what we did, but you've been such an incredible leader, you and your wife. And thank you for who you are and what you do because you submit yourself to get down on the floor and wash people's feet in the Spirit. Now, why this, those pictures look so odd to us is because we don't do that today. We don't wash each other's feet. We wear shoes instead of sandals, right? And go ahead and go to your seat. Phil, it's your turn. Come on, buddy. <clears throat> we, don't, we don't do that anymore. And so it looks odd to us that a, that a, that a pastor would, would wash the feet of a transgender person. It looks odd to us that a, that a police officer would wash the feet of a black person. It looks odd to us that, that a son would wash the feet of their father. It looks odd to us that a daughter would wash the feet of their drunken mother. It looks odd to us. We need to stop letting these things be odd to us. He had sandals on too. I was, I was looking around for sandal people. It looks odd to us. You know what? It might look odd to you right now. My pastor sitting on the floor washing these men's feet. Paul, can you take your shoes off for me, bud? You're next. Go ahead and go to your seat, man. Thank you, Phil and Melissa, for all that you guys do. Wagners, for all that you do. I'm going to bring my notes down to me, okay? I've got to say hi to the people online while Paul gets his shoes off. <clears throat> I was telling my pastors that when I get about a situation that happened one time where I got called in the middle of dinner because one of our church members, his brother-in-law, had killed himself. I was in the middle of eating dinner, and he said, can you come, pastor, can you come? So I was telling my pastoral team, yeah, it's all great to make decisions to say, hey, what are we doing for Easter? Let's, who, who gets to be the decision makers for that? And, and who gets to do the planning and all these cool things and these cool events and these fun stuff? But who do they call when they're in the scariest, worst moment in their life? I said, when I, walked, when I rode my motorcycle over to their house and I walked up and I see this, this young man's mother crying out to God, God, why, why, why? And then pastor walks up. Pastor, tell me, why? Why? Why is my son gone? Why did God let this happen? And I didn't have an answer. All I could do, say, I don't know. I love you and I'm sorry. I don't know. I love you and I'm sorry. And when the coroner was done cleaning up the bathroom where, where he had done this, I went up to make sure it was clean enough for the family to go and see the bullet holes in the, in the wall. And I told him, I said, hey, it's up to you if you want to go up there or not. It's clean enough. You can, you can go and see. If you don't want to, I'll come back tomorrow and I'm going to spackle your walls for you so you don't ever have to see that hole if you don't want to see it. And so I came back the next day. See, this is, this is what this is, Paul. No matter what you've been through, dude, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how many things haven't gone right, no matter how many, how many times that you've disappointed God, where you you've did what you know you shouldn't have done, God asked us all to be here, Paul, to take care of each other, to love each other, to go through those things. And you know what? I know this is just as awkward for you to be sitting here in front of everybody letting me wash your feet as it is for me to sit on the floor and wash your feet in front of everybody. But that's where the humility comes in for each of us. 
It's not about how, how cool I look. It's about doing what Jesus did. Jesus served. He said, I came not, not to be served, but to serve. Amen? In Matthew verse tw- or chapter 23, verse 11, verses 11 and 12, it says, The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We were teaching our leaders the same thing that Jesus was teaching his disciples. He says, you don't understand this now, but you will. You will. Being a leader isn't about position. Come on. Being a leader is not about position. Being a leader is about servanthood. Being a leader is about getting down on your knees, getting into the nitty-gritty, and loving people that aren't lovable. Are you with me? Paul sometimes is not lovable. Justin sometimes is not lovable. I need somebody to wash my feet just as much as here I am to wash yours. Go ahead and sit down. Here's point number two for my note takers. Todd, go ahead and take your shoes off, buddy. Point number two, I am here to serve, not to be served. I am here to serve, not to be served. Leadership in this world is position. It's status. It's being above somebody. Let me scoot up here a little bit. It's counting yourself. It's saying, hey, if I make orders, other people do what I'm supposed to, what I tell them to do. That's leadership in this world. Leadership in this world is I'm above you, you listen to me. Leadership in the kingdom of God This is Jesus, you guys, Savior of the world. Now, you have to understand their perspective. When they expected their Messiah to come, they expected this man to become king. They expected him to come and and take war to the Romans and take them out of this slavery. They expected this man to one day sit on the throne. Now, they didn't understand that it was a spiritual throne. They thought it was going to be a real throne. But this is why Peter says, you can't wash my feet. You're going to be the king. They're going to exalt you above everyone else. You can't wash my feet. And then Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. See, it's important. And why, why I'm picking these, these men, first of all, is because, ladies, I know that if you haven't gotten a pedicure in the last week, you're not going to like me very much if I ask you to come up here. <clears throat> so if I have any freshly pedicured ladies that want to come up, you're more than welcome to come up here. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep calling the men up and washing their feet. Pete, I know you're working on stuff, but I know we got that one camera. Can you take your shoes off, Pete? Come up here next. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know the rulers in this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Verse 26, But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Verse 27, and whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. When we... When you saw that commercial, I don't want you to raise your hand, but when you saw that commercial, if you got offended, if you were upset when you saw that, I want you to know it's not because the commercial's bad. It's because your lens is bad. Now, don't, you can get mad at me if you want, but the lens you're looking through is the lens of this world, the lens of division. Because if we had to flip those things around and you saw the trans person cleaning the pastor's feet, you'd be just as mad if not madder. Now think about where the problem lies. Does the problem lie in washing a person's feet? The problem doesn't lie there, does it? The problem lies in how we see the world. And Jesus was talking to his disciples and he's telling them over and over again, when will you see the kingdom of God? I've explained it to you plainly and still you don't hear me and still you don't understand. 
How long will I be with you? I'm going to be with the Father soon. How many times do I have to explain this? To be great in this world. Now, that scripture I just met, read in Matthew 20 is right after James and his brother asked the, the, the sons of thunder, if you're watching the show, right? The sons, of, the sons of thunder asked, can I be at your right and your left side when we go into glory? And Jesus pretty much gets pissed. He's like, do you even know what you're asking? Do you even know what you're asking? You, the way you see authority is like the way the world sees authority. You think that if you're on my right and left side that you're more important than everyone else. And you're missing it. How many times have I had to tell you? And then here we go the, at, at the very last supper that they're having together. He, get, he kneels down, becomes the servant, and starts washing their feet. <clears throat> How important is it to remember? I don't know if this is hard for you to pay attention because you can't see me, but how important it is to remember that when I, when I look at Pete, don't go anywhere, when I look at Pete, I see a leader. Pete is a leader of our men. He keeps them, keeps them sharp. He keeps them going. In the middle of Fight Club, if you need somebody to talk to, you can text Pete, and Pete will be there for you. He'll, he'll make sure that you got Scripture to back up what you're going through and what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. This is who Pete is. And it is an honor for me to sit and wash Pete's feet because to be able to serve with Pete is an honor. To be in the kingdom of God with Pete is an honor. I look forward to every time we get into the Bible together and to see what comes out, to see what kind of battles we can fight together. It's all about that. You can go sit down. Joseph, can you take your shoes off, bud? You're next. Tony, you can get ready too. I am so disappointed, and I wonder if, I wonder if the Holy Spirit, I wonder if Jesus would have been disappointed that what we saw when we saw that thing was that, oh, look, see, now they're, they're just trying to be accepting of everybody. They're trying to be accepting of their sin. We're not condoning sin. Jesus washed Judas' feet. He didn't skip over him, knowing that what he was about to do. And I think it's very clear in that scripture. He knew. He knew not all of you were clean. Yet he washed his feet anyway. But that, that one's easy to point out. Because we know what Judas did. We know how bad his sin was. What about the rest of them? What about the rest of them? What about Simon the Zealot? Does he have some sins that he needed to pay for? Right? This, this man was a, a radical. Today we would call him a terrorist. That was Simon. Simon the Zealot. He was a terrorist. And he was one of the, one of the disciples. Yet Jesus washed his feet. It wasn't about what Simon used to be. It's what God says that Simon is. Are you with me? Peter, Simon Peter, before he became Peter, right? Simon didn't pay his taxes. That's why he was fishing on Shabbat, which is also a sin. You're not allowed to work on Shabbat. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. Here's Peter, because he's hungry, he needs to take care of his family, he's, he's, he's working on the Sabbath. You know that was one of the reasons they crucified Jesus is because of the work he did on the Sabbath? So they crucified Jesus. Here's Peter, and he's one of the disciples, and Jesus is washing his feet too. I love you, brother. You're welcome. It's my pleasure, my honor, my privilege to get to wash your feet, man. Thank you for being here, for coming early in the morning, helping us set up, doing all that work. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, Tony. Your turn. Oh, hug. Oh. Love you, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. <clears throat> Point number three. I will neither condone nor condemn those I am called to serve. Jesus could have easily pointed out the sins of each one, made them feel guilty about who they've been and why they should be so grateful that He's here. He's talking about how my blood is going to be shed for you. This is the, this is the Lord's Supper as He's talking to them. 
My blood is going to be shed to you. My, my body is going to be broken for you. Do you know how resentful he could be? I mean, he's fully human, fully God. He could have been like, dude, dude, the things you guys argue about, the stupid things I've had to listen to on the road. Are you with me? All those things. Yet, no, he didn't, he didn't speak about that at all. He's like, I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to teach you something important. What's important here is that you become the servant of all. What's important here is that we take care of each other. What's important here is that we love each other. What's important here is that you don't see yourself as higher than anybody else. God, especially for the disciples, God set them in a very esteemed place. These people are the the, the 12 who are going to take the church into all the nations. Those 12 men are the reason that we are sitting here today. They're pretty important when you look at it. But Jesus is reminding them that you're not that important. So when we think about ourselves, we're not that important. How important is it to go and sit with your own children and to sit and wash their feet? Now, washing feet, it's not just about me sitting here with some baby wipes. That's just, this is, this is more of an example. Did you, did you need your feet washed today? Probably not. He probably took a shower. Right? Those that took a shower this morning, if you didn't take a shower, come on up here. I'll give you a pedicure right now. But at the same, he didn't need his feet washed. But when I went and picked up my baby wipes at the grocery store today, there was a lady in the, in the, cash, in the, in the checkout line in front of me. And she had a little, little cart of groceries, not a lot. Would have taken only a couple minutes to get her stuff through. But she saw I had a little package of baby wipes, and that's all I had. And so she said, Go ahead and go in front of me. Go in front of me. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. That that means the world to me. Thank you. And then she says, well, I figure if you're in here for a pack of baby wipes, it must be something important. And I said, you know what? It's not quite what you think. And she looked at me like, what? And I said, I'm preaching a sermon today, and I'm going to be washing people's feet. And she said, oh, my gosh. She said, what church do you go to? I gave her a church card and said, you're welcome to come anytime. She's like, oh, yeah, you're over in that school. I go to this church over here. I said, awesome. And so I, as I paid for my baby wipes, I said, go ahead and pay for her groceries too. That's washing feet. She said, no, you don't have to do that. I said, but that's what I'm teaching on today. How can I teach on it if I'm not willing to do it myself? And then the, the cashier's sitting there going like, wow, your sermon's probably going to be awesome. Did I do that one yet? I did? Okay. Go ahead. I've got to be honest with you. I've become sick and tired of hearing the division in the church especially. Thank you, guys. Thank you. If they can't see unity somewhere, why wouldn't they be able to see it at the church? We're not to be of this world. Somebody say that. We're not to be of this world. There's enough division in it already. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Verse 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaken together, running, uh, making room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Verse 39. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student is fully trained will become like the teacher. Verse 41, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. How many of us have a religious log in our eye? Now, maybe not this church. I'm probably preaching to the choir, right? Like, if you feel guilty today, it's not because I intended for you to feel guilty. That's the Holy Spirit talking to your spirit, saying that there's something that needs to change. 
Something needs to grow. Are you with me? I'm not saying that you're the bad guy. Honestly, there's not enough people in here. I, I pray that this, 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 this message goes all, all over the place for people to hear. Because it's so important to remember in this season. How, how did Jesus treat people? If we were to look at Jesus in today's light, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he would walk into the middle of places that church leaders say is not okay to walk into. I guarantee you that he would walk into a pride parade and start washing people's feet. I guarantee you. Now, does that mean that he's condoning their sin? No. He knows that they're sinful. The Bible says that our sin has already condemned us. What does that mean? Look around the room. We, us, all of us are already condemned because of our sin. That's why we needed Jesus in the first place. Now, just because somebody's sin is on the outside of their body and somebody's sin is on the inside of their body doesn't make it different. For us, we start to draw lines. Well, this sin's really bad, but this little sin's not that big of a deal. In Romans, it says the wages of sin is death. That means all sin, any sin, any blemish, any little blemish, and you're going in the fire. Are you with me? Like, I'm not meaning to become old school Baptist preacher right now, but I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. That's what it means. Any blemish, you go in the fire. You don't qualify. Somebody say, praise Jesus. Right? I'm so grateful for Jesus. Because here's the thing. If, the, if that were the case, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I'm still going to the fire. Doesn't matter how much I preach. Doesn't matter how much I serve. Doesn't matter how many people's groceries I pay for. Doesn't matter. My good deeds are like filthy rags unto the Lord. I'm not good enough. I need Jesus. Guess what? So does the trans person. So does the criminal. So does the murderer. So does every other sinner out there. Just like you. Just like me. Come on, somebody. Are you getting this today? <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then... You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The reason why we saw that commercial and got offended is we were still seeing things the way the world sees things. We didn't look at it the way that Jesus was looking at it. We didn't look at people the way Jesus is looking at people. And can I be honest with you? I'm just as guilty. I wish I wasn't. I wish I saw everybody the way Jesus sees them. But I'm still human and I still pass judgment. I won't walk by certain people if they look like they might hurt me. You ever done that? See somebody dressed a certain way so you're kind of like just a few extra feet away as you walk by? Dude, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a trained Marine. I can kill the dude in eight seconds, but still there's a judgment that goes in my mind that I don't want to get into a confrontation at the moment. Are you with me? I pass judgment. I forget how big God is. I forget He's so much bigger than their sin. Remember how earlier I said He wanted none to perish? He wanted all to come to Him? Those very definitive numbers? There's another scripture that says that love covers a multitude of sin. That, that number multitude is not definitive. Is it? It's not like all or none. It's multitude. Why, why, is, why does love only cover a multitude of sin? Why doesn't love cover all sin? That's a good question, isn't it? The reason love doesn't cover all sin is because we don't give all our sins to Jesus. Otherwise it would. I came that none should perish, that all would have everlasting life. So if someone is still living in their sin, if someone is still living in their sin, how important is it for us to keep loving? Because maybe our multitude will cover theirs. Maybe. We don't know. We don't get to choose for them, do we? But we do get to choose how we love. We do get to choose what we're pouring out. And if we're going to just pour out more hate, if we're going to pour out a different kind of hate, I don't get to choose who comes to church. I don't get to choose who comes to the Lord. I don't get to choose that. But you know how many times I've tried? I want this kind of person to come to my church. I've tried, you guys. Like, I think, like, when I see, like, that, oh, man, that guy's so cool. I want that guy to come to my church. 
And then somebody else shows up. I'm like, I'm not so sure I wanted them to show up to my church. Come on. Because it's people, isn't it? It's people. We've got to remember, sheep are sheep. Most sheep are takers. Most sheep are not adders. I know even preaching this message, some of my friends, if they hear this, they're going to be like, dude, you sold out. You became one of those woke pastors. It's accepting all these weird things like, like the chosen and, and these commercials and you're one of those woke pastors now. Oh. If I'm accused of not being qualified to pastor God's people because I want to pastor them the way Jesus did, then I want to be found guilty every day of the week of being that kind of disqualified. Because you know what? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of the day, said Jesus was not qualified to preach. Jesus was not qualified to lead people. That is why they put him on the cross. That's why. It wasn't, it wasn't the sinner that put him on the cross. It was the religious people that put him on the cross. And you know what? I'll go to the cross with you, Jesus. And you know what? Someday we might have to, in some form or fashion, he says, take up your cross and follow me. Why would he say to do things like that? Because you're going to be judged if you act like he acts. If you love like he loved. If you treat people the way he treated people. If you stop looking through the same lenses that the world has looked through and you start seeing people the way Jesus sees people. When he saw people, when he saw that transgender person walking around, confused, broken, just misled. Like they, they're, missing, they're missing him. He would be moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Jesse's passing reminded me so much of that. Going to these punk rock shows the last few weeks, I saw sheep without a shepherd. I saw people with 666 tattooed on their arm. I saw people with t-shirts that said, teach your children to worship Satan. And you know what? To me, all that was is a cry for help. As I read that stuff, as I look at that stuff, they're looking for something to belong. They're looking to freak people like me out. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, hey, don't look at me. I'm not good enough to be around you. You, you don't want to be around somebody like me. I worship Satan. I'd say, come here. Let me love on you. Let me tell you how important you are. Let me tell you who God says that you are. And I can sit down and I'll wash your feet. Let me tell you who Jesus says that you are. You are not your sin. You are not your habits. You are not your old self. You are not what your parents made you. You are not all these circumstances, this beautiful, ugly mess that came together that is you now. That's not who God says that you are. That's not who he came to save. Are you with me? He came because he loves you. He loves you. He cared so much about you that he came that you wouldn't perish, that you would have everlasting life. Are you with me? And that's not you because you're at Living Stones Church on a weekly basis. That's you because you're a human being, period. I'm starting this new series called Seen. I'm going to go through some different parts of the Bible, and we're going to talk about just different ways that, that God sees you. Because I think sometimes the way we see ourselves and the way we see others gets so skewed that we miss that we're seen by God. That He knows you. That He, he counted it good that you were here. Are you with me? Invite people to this series. Come on, you guys. Go to Luke chapter 7 for a minute. How am I doing? Not bad. Not bad. We've got 20 minutes. Luke chapter 7 verse 36 says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. That was nice. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. 
Verse 39. When the Pharisee, come on, religious leader, when the pastor who invited him to dinner saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know the kind of woman that is touching him. She is a sinner. Verse 40. Somebody say, no, duh. Are you kidding me? Then Jesus answered his thoughts. This is my favorite. I love how Jesus does this. He was just thinking this. And Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. I love that. He turned to the woman and said to Simon. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off of my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Verse 47, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. When Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven, The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Pastors call other pastors woke because they feel like they're trying not to be confrontational. Oh, we just go with the flow. We just love everybody. This is the way we do. Listen, dude, I'm not a hippie. Are you with me? But I do love everybody because Jesus loved everybody. That's it. That's it. It can make you mad if you want. You can say that, I, that I'm not reading Scripture the right way. But what I just read, this is a sinful woman. She comes in and recognizes who Jesus is. And her sins are many. Then you have a righteous man, a pastor, saying if he only knew who she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. But Jesus is like, here's the thing. I see her. I also see you. I see both of you. I see that she has a lot to be forgiven, and she wants to be forgiven. And her faith is what makes her forgiven. Her acknowledgement of who I am. And here you are questioning who I am. Come on, somebody. Come on. This is important because I want you to stop seeing what we saw on those things, and you're like, oh my gosh, well, the trans person isn't more important than the pastor. That's terrible. I can't believe they'd have that do that. That is why he's washing their feet. God has given him authority. If I'm not willing, then I don't belong over any of his sheep. Are you with me? Is anybody understanding me today? I pray, I pray, I pray. I pray that you hear this message today because this is the heart of Jesus to do because it's everywhere in his word. Everywhere in his word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He came that none should perish and that all would have everlasting life. If Jesus loved everybody that much, I need to fix myself. I need to fix my lens. I need to fix the way I'm seeing this broken world. And instead of saying, you're too broken, you stay over there. You're not allowed in church. I got asked a question, and he's in the room, so I'm not going to embarrass him. But I got asked a question the other day. And he said, Pastor, what would you do if a trans woman showed up at women's group? And he thought it was funny. He wasn't meaning it as like a a mean thing to say. He was just like curious. 
And then I sat there and thought, you know what? Never thought about that. I've never thought about that because most of those people don't want to come to church. But if we're loving people the way Jesus loved people, those people will come to church. I'm never going to do a gay marriage because that's against the word of God. But I will love a gay person because that's in the will of God. None should perish. Come on. God, fix your brokenness through his grace. Don't forget. Don't forget. You didn't become righteous on your own deeds. Neither did I. Don't forget. Because the minute you start pointing fingers, they're too broken. They're too broken. Well, the Bible says it's an abomination. You're right. The Bible does say it's an abomination. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. It's an abomination. It says sexual immorality. Of all these types are abomination to the Lord. Have you had any kind of sexual immorality in your life? Come on, somebody. If we're honest with ourselves, we can watch a Carl's Jr. commercial and have sexual immorality. Just from a girl eating, eating a burger. Sexual morality is all over the place. You know what's so funny? What I, what I find so funny is how people will, will get on Dallas Jenkins about the, the chosen. They'll get all up in arms about how, how come you have Mormons that are working for you? How come you, have, how come you have a gay person working for you? All these weird things. Like, and, but you know what? They don't ask who's working at The Bachelor. No, no problem watching, watching sexual morality happen right in front of you. No judgment at all. We're not even wondering. I wonder what their theology is on The Bachelor. We don't. But yet all of a sudden, because it's something about Jesus, it's, nope, nope, we got to hold it up to this fine, my fine-tooth comb of who I say that Jesus is in my life. That's not my Jesus. My question is, do you even know Jesus? I, I make it a point not to judge other pastors. Not to. Because God appointed them in the place that they're appointed. And whether I agree with everything they do or not, are you with me? I don't judge them because I know that God has a purpose in them. Are you with me? And you know what? I, every time I even think to start judging them, I start looking at myself and I start to see every flaw and I'm like, oh Lord, I'm probably not even going to make it to the gates of heaven, let alone through them. Because I know me. I know where I fall short. You don't know where I fall short. You don't know the sin I deal with in here. You don't know. You might think, oh man, Pastor Justin's awesome. No, no, I'm not awesome. I want to tell you right now, I am not awesome. I am not awesome. And not because I think badly of myself. It's because I know myself. And I know my God. And God makes me awesome. God redeems my shortcomings. And he does for you too. And that's what we need to remember. When somebody says, are you judging me? No, I'm not judging you. If I can't judge you. Do you want to know how many sexual immorality sins that I've had this week? Are you with me? Like, because Jesus says if you even look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Do you want to know how many times I've committed adultery in my life? Based on that definition, I can't count that high. Are you with me? Come on, men. Are we going to be honest for a minute? Ladies, come on. I remember saying that one time to the men, and I had one of the ladies come up and say, Pastor Justin, I used to have a porn addiction. It was a, it was a lady in our church. And she was like, I had a porn addiction. I said, thank you for admitting that. We all got to get through our stuff, man. We all got to get through our stuff. Amen? I see only family in here today. But somebody's watching this online. <clears throat> and you know what? You might be here, and, and I see you as family but you may have not made that commitment to Jesus yet. Maybe you've raised your hand, maybe you've prayed a prayer, but something switched in your heart today. Something switched in your mind today. Some, all of a sudden, the lenses of this world came off and you can see for the first time. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. And if you're watching online, this is your opportunity too. Completely surrender. Completely let go. Let go of who you think you are. 
so that he can actually show you who he made you to be. If that's you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand for me and say, hey, that's me. I'm ready. I'm ready to make that, that, that declaration in my soul today. Is that anybody here today? I didn't think so. It's all family in here today. But for those that are watching online, this is for you. If you're going, hey, man, I didn't even know God loved me that much. I thought my sins were too much. I thought I'd never be accepted in his church. I thought I'd never be loved because my sins were too much. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now, and I want to say a prayer with you. But here, here's the thing. It's not the words that I'm saying that are, that are the get-out-of-jail-free card. It's because of Jesus who died on the cross for me and rose from the dead, took the keys from hell, and said, whoever wants to go with me, come on. Receive the gift of eternal life. Repent of your sin. So if that's you today and you're like, I want that, I want that, I want that, I don't deserve that, but I want that. That's you. I just want you to pray with me right now. Just saying, dear Jesus, I give my life to you today. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. And they are many. So that one day I can be with you in eternity. Lord, wash me clean. Please forgive me. I repent of my sin. And I give my life to you today. From this day forward, I'll follow you. And when I, when I fail, when I fall, I'll come back to you. I'll run back to you because I know that you love me and that you accept me. In Jesus' name I pray all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on. Lift up a shout to the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blessed your life in such a powerful way. Come visit us here at Livingstones Church in person at Dorothy McElhinney Middle School in French Valley, California every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. You can also watch us online on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Church Center, or at livingstones.tv. If God is using this ministry to touch and impact your life, and you would like to consider partnering with us in your giving, you can do so by giving in the Church Center app or by going to livingstones.tv giving. We hope you have a wonderful week.